Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nick Anderson Fitness Podcast. I am here today with Gabriella. And uh, Gabriella, for those who don't know you, can you kind of introduce yourself? Tell us what you're all about. Yeah. So, uh, hi, my name is Gabby. Um, Gabriella is fine too. Uh, and I am a neuroscientist by trade. I work in psychology research right now. So, I'm really busy with that. But I've always um, kind of like had this. I don't know if I would say it's a passion for fitness. I've had a curiosity for fitness where I always thought, you know, like my body's kind of garbage, but I bet it could do cool things. So I've always done this exploring of like different sports and things that I could take on by myself. I'm not a very good team player. So it's been mostly like fitness endeavors that you can do solo. Uh, But I've gone through my fair share of, you know, the deep dives into the Instagram rabbit holes with the detox teas and the 30 day ab flattening challenges and all that. And I feel like I've come out the other end on a fairly healthy basis, but um, it's been an interesting road to get there. Yeah, for sure. Um, Instagram can be a dark place if you have the wrong things coming into your feed. And like, even I still get them sometimes. And I'm like, why does Instagram serve this to me like I know it's crap but you know not everyone does and I know that when I first started I saw that stuff too I was like oh yeah I'd love to blast my abs in 30 days and think that that would actually work Um, I don't um, I don't know why it's promoted so much I assume it's because it gets a lot of clicks I see it and I see it as like oh well this is not true and I don't even click on it I, I scroll past it but even though I'm not subscribed to any of those accounts, somehow they're still constantly being promoted to you. And I don't really know what's going on there behind the algorithm if they're just trying to sell you a new thing. Like, you remember those those sticky pads that you could put on your abs and they would just shock the abs for you and, and kind of substitute a workout? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that is what it is. Like, people click on it because it's it's easy to sell. It's easy to sell, like, the the magic fix and people to be like, Oh, like, that's all I have to do. I've been trying so hard. Why don't I try to take this easy route? And you know, it's easy to believe that because it's like a fairy tale that people want to believe in. Um, So did you kind of, when you first started, did you kind of fall into these and like give them a try? Absolutely. Yeah. I tried a bunch of ridiculous things. I feel like um, I stayed away from the most overtly ridiculous, but there's a lot of them that are subtly ridiculous that you don't really think about until you're halfway through it and you realize like, why am I doing this thing? Mm. Um, So there's ones where, you know, it's like uh, drink this tea and you'll lose 10 pounds in three days. And it's like, you know, that is a little suspicious. I'm pretty sure that one doesn't work. But then there's like this exercise routine that's like a 30 day ab challenge and like you'll get flat abs in 30 days. And that seems a little less suspicious because you're thinking, well, it's exercise. Exercise gives you flat abs. You know, 30 days seems like a long time for those that aren't committed to doing anything for, you know, a significant amount of time. So you're thinking like, oh, yeah, I'll work really hard for these 30 days and then I'll have the results at the end. Um, so I've definitely, I've definitely done a lot of those 30 day challenges and, uh, a lot of weird, not necessarily weird diets in the sense that I never avoided certain types of foods because of what Instagram told me. I was mostly, uh, that one came internally. I didn't need Instagram to make me afraid of food. That one was <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> oh, the, oh my gosh. Uh, so one time uh, I was uh, living on my own subletting from somebody while I was working an internship during the summer. And I realized that I miscalculated my food and I had accidentally added up the calories wrong. And I was over my daily calorie allowance because I had had an extra quarter cup of baby carrots and I cried and then went to the gym for two hours. Wow. Like I, I say, wow. And like, it, it hurts my heart to hear that, but I've had the same experiences. Like I've done things like that too. You know, I, I've talked about having a mental breakdown over eating a sandwich, like, yeah. And, you know, for three days, I just like wasn't myself because I ate a fucking sandwich. So it's it's kind of crazy how we can get way too wrapped up in the little details of it all versus just like, you know, you went you had a quarter cup carrots like that's what, like 12 calories over. It's that. Yeah. Yeah. So like realistically, you're still in a calorie deficit if that's what you're going for. I'm just assuming. Um, Yeah. I I mean, I wasn't. So here's the fun part, right? Um, There's all these people that tell you like, oh, you can, you can gain weight if you eat too little food. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't eat enough, you could gain weight. So you have to Mm. make sure that you eat enough and so on. And that conflicts with the idea of a calorie deficit, because if you aren't eating enough calories, you will slowly start to lose weight. Uh, You know, we don't have populations that are starving that are overweight. Um, Right you don't have enough food, you will start dropping weight. But uh, I was in that camp too, of thinking like, I'm not eating enough and therefore uh, I'm not losing weight. And you can end up in that camp very easily by miscalculating what you're eating, right? If you just underestimate how much you eat and you think like, oh, I'm definitely not eating that much. You're not counting things that are, uh, you know, very fleeting, you forget about them in a second, but they are very calorie dense, like, you know, a handful of nuts that you're eating, if you enjoy that, or like olive oil in the pan or whatnot. Not that I'm saying you should obsess over that, but those can add up during the day. What I was doing is I was calculating meticulously, but I was also under eating by such a degree that I had no energy to do anything. So even though I was eating way fewer calories than I would have needed based on the calculation, I also wasn't expending any energy because I had no fuel left in me to do anything except sit down. You know, I was getting maybe like 300 steps a day. I was completely drained and I wasn't, my weight wasn't really moving, but I also wasn't, you know, doing any sort of exercise, even just walking around or like going to the office or whatnot, because I was eating so little that I was just tired all the time. Right. Yeah. You're not, you're not, giving your body enough energy to output any energy yeah and you know that's not a a good life to live right like like it's it's like a half life you know um I used to wake up and I used to exercise first because I thought you know I have to earn my food and weird thoughts like that which I know a lot of people get trapped in um and it's interesting to look back on now because I still I exercise before lunch but I still eat a big breakfast so that I have energy for it Mm. and then after I'm done exercising I get to have a bigger lunch and so on um but yeah it's I guess it all kind of circles back to like this idea of good enough that I've been thinking about lately just watching 
how other people are succeeding in their own journeys and what kind of things they find helpful. It's like, sometimes you have to be okay with just enough. You know, it doesn't have to be all the things or none of the things. It can just be like good enough for now. You know, yeah. like I've, I've done half a workout. I couldn't get through the whole thing. That's good enough. You Absolutely. know, like, okay, I, I got, you know, within the hundred calories of my goal. It's, it's good enough. Yeah. I have clients all the time who will text me and they'll be like, oh, I only got, only got two of my four workouts in this week. And I'm like, awesome. You got yeah. two more in than you were doing a month ago when you weren't doing any at all. That like, is a non-zero amount of workouts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is huge progress. I mean, even if we don't hit all the things that we try to do, like hitting 60% of the things that you want to do, it's, it's so much better than not doing anything at all. And I think, you know, we get stuck in that idea of like, if we can't do everything we want to do, then we might as well do nothing. And that is just, that is just so false because one is always better than zero. Being able to do one thing is always better than doing nothing. And um, so tell me about how, how you started to think about that idea that like, about being good enough. So I had kind of like phases through it of trying to figure it out. Uh, and I don't know if I'm very, I don't know if I'm good enough at this good enough practice yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. Um, I think the first big hit to me was learning about how inaccurate uh, nutrition labels can be, especially in terms of calorie count. Like they're allowed to be off by a wide margin yes. and still be considered accurate enough to put on the label. Um and then there's so many different ways to calculate the calories in food, you know, based on it's raw or if it's cooked. And then if it's raw, was it frozen? Because then the water content and it might be higher and it might be heavier than if it was, you know, dry frozen or something like that. There's just so much leeway that you can't ever really be accurate with your calories, even if you try your absolute hardest mm -hmm. to count everything, you know, down to the last like gram of sugar that you put in something. And it was so hard for the first really long while to deal with that because I thought like, you know, I'm not good enough. Maybe I, if I pay more attention to like how it was frozen, then I could calculate it better. And like, maybe if I get like a better, more accurate food scale, then it would be better, you know, like cup measures can differ. So maybe I should weigh everything, even the carrots. And it was this wild kind of ride of trying to figure out what I can do to control the fact that the, calories aren't always controlled on the labels and it, it took me a really long time to just get to this point of saying you know what I, I can't I can't kill myself over something that I have no control over you yeah. know I'm not the government setting the rules for how the labels are put <laughs> on I'm not you know the Ritz crackers company that decided that it doesn't matter if we're off by 20 calories on the count um and then I had to figure out okay so like if I can't control it and if I don't actually know how much is in my food, you know, I'm going to have to estimate it as best as I can and just let it go if it's not as accurate. Um, and I, I thought like that, but then I still meticulously counted everything, no matter what, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, I'm doing this great thing. I'm letting go of the fear of going over calories because I know it's not accurate. And in the meantime, I was still doing the exact same stuff. And then what really kind of made this big transition in mentality was I was, uh, I'm still, I still am part of the inner circle, which is the solid fitness um, kind of like web portal and workouts and whatnot. And 
you know, they do a similar thing to a lot of uh, like the, the fitness people that I follow, including yourself, that promote consistency over perfection. Um, so for them, I was like, you know, just hit your calories 80% of the days uh, of a month and you'll be fine. And, I, you know, I said, yep, got it. Okay, chief. And then still did 100% no matter what. And then I had to take some downtime, uh, kind of forced to in a way, um, because of some illness and some other recovery stuff. So for about four months straight, I was hitting 80% of the days instead of the 100% that I always did. And absolutely nothing changed. My weight stayed exactly <laughs> the same for those four months down to like the half pound. And I looked at it and went like five days out of every month. I didn't count calories. I don't know how much was in my food. I didn't exercise and absolutely nothing changed. Like maybe this isn't as drastic as I'm making it out to be. And that was a huge help having to be forced to take that knock in consistency and see that nothing bad happened at the other end was a big step to be able to just let go and not count for a few days or, you know, do a different workout and not worry about it. It's been, it's been really helpful. (laughs) Yeah. That's huge to like, I think a lot of people are going to relate to what you said about trying to be hundred percent all the time. And the reality is you are trying to be perfect in an imperfect system. So if, if you're trying to count calories and be absolutely perfect with it, like you said, there's so much inaccuracy on food labels, even on like raw chicken, like, you know, how much fat is in it in part of the cut. So it can be different anywhere. Anything that you track has some degree of inaccuracy to it. And I think it really takes some kind of external force sometimes be it some kind of health issue that makes you have to be 80% on your calories for you to realize that it's okay. It's okay to not be hundred percent all the time. It's not going to derail your progress because you're 80% on point, right? Like no one is hundred percent all the time. Like the only people that are hundred percent all the time are like professional bodybuilders And even them, not all the time, but they are very like meticulous with their tracking and all this stuff. And anyone who's ever been a professional bodybuilder, I've I've had a few on this podcast, will tell you that it sucks. And when they get out of that, it's, it's really hard for them to eat again and like, you know, go back to a normal type of lifestyle without counting every single calorie. I don't think anyone wants to count every single calorie for their entire life. And, you know, I think it can be a great tool for some people to understand what's in food, how many calories are in food, like that it's okay to eat ice cream sometimes because it has, it has a certain amount of calories to it, right? Like if you can fit it into your day, then, you know, you can eat ice cream. I have a little ice cream cone every single day, basically. And I fucking love it. Um, but you know, being I have a being, cup of Maltesers <laughs> being okay with the fact that like, you don't have to be perfect all the time. Um, I think, I think a lot of people need to learn that more. I think there are some people that are like on the complete opposite end of the spectrum too, where they're like, I I can't feel like I can't do anything. Um, And it's, it's such a spectrum of like nothing versus everything. And I feel like very few people find that middle ground. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's super hard because when you start out, you know, you're in that not good enough mentality of like, okay, well, I can, you know, I can have a, a salad for my side instead of like the baked potato that I usually get. And it's like, mm. oh, well, that's not really good enough. I should be doing more than that. Like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go on a 10 minute walk. Well, that's not really good enough. I should be going on a 10 minute jog. And then when you start being able to jog, well, that's not good enough. I really should be running because it's jogging is not that fast. It doesn't burn that many calories. And you get constantly stuck in the cycle of like, I'm not good enough. I should be doing more things. And you forget that you've already been doing things to move forward. You know, like slow progress is progress. Absolutely. Forward. And it's not um, like moving forward in terms of, effort towards being uh like more mobile and healthier and going towards whatever goals you have uh it doesn't have to be that like every day you're half a pound less than the day before or anything like that you know i used to have issues with the scale fluctuation too because i would see that it was slightly off from the day before and it's like oh it's because i didn't do good enough the day before it's like no you just weigh yourself after a big glass of water it's fine you move on (laughs) Yeah, scale fluctuations are wild. Um, so when you were weighing everything, like how did you feel during that? What was your what was your mindset like in oh, that it's, period? It's exhausting. <laughs> it's super tiring. You don't realize how much energy goes into that when you start out. Mm. Um, and I will say, if like I'm in about like a half and half now, I do still count. Um, and I, I generally weigh stuff out if it's things that are calculated by weight, but I eat really similar foods because I have just a range of things that I like to eat. So because I've been counting for a while, I know roughly how much is in those portions. So if I'm really tired one day, I can eyeball it and I know that I'm getting roughly what I entered. Uh, and in a lot of the days as well, if I have like I'm hanging out with friends or I'm going to see family or whatnot. I'll just be like, instead of trying so hard to count everything and estimate everything, it's just like, you know, it's, it's a not counting day. I'm just taking a day off from counting and I'll get back to it tomorrow. And it's fine. Um, I love that. It's, it's been really nice. This kind of flexibility is new and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really exhausting to count everything down to the gram. It's really tiring. And at that point I was also trying out new recipes. So I constantly had to like, put in all the ingredients and calculate the portion size and get everything in there. And it's, yeah, you don't think about it in terms of like what is realistic for an average human to do, because you see it mostly being promoted by either Instagram influencers who aren't actually doing it. They've got personal chefs and they've got other stuff going on, but they just say that they do this to sell a product or people that are being completely honest but they're elite athletes at the top of their game. Um, And that's not you. And for them, you know, a 1% change in their strength level is significant because that could mean the difference between first and second place. And they've been working for that first place for 10 years straight. Mm -hmm. To them, that's that's a priority number one thing to do. Uh, But to me, it isn't, you know, like I don't, I don't care all that much. I'm really thrilled that over the past year, I was able to go from no chin-ups to about six in a row. And I never thought that I could do this in my whole life. That's amazing. Congratulations. Huge win. And it's like, I'm proud of that. I don't need to beat somebody else in powerlifting. You know, maybe one day I'm interested in it and I think it looks cool. But right now I'm just an average little human running on my hamster wheel, trying to get things done, trying to go to work. 
um, there was, um, who is it? It was Haftor, I think, um, a strongman competitor, like elite athlete at the top of his game uh, that was taking a huge cut in calories for a calorie deficit at one point um, to be able to improve something in his competitive game. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was saying that he was suffering a lot and he didn't care at all. He would say like, I would eat dirt off the ground if somebody told me that this could be a half percent improvement in my lifts. Mm. Like I would just spoon it off the ground and eat it. And I'm thinking like, yeah, wow. of course. he's at the top of his game. He's the best yes. in the world at this thing. Of course, he's being driven to do whatever he can to achieve that goal. I don't need to be the best in the world. I'm okay just being, you know, little old me going through my normal life. And I think it's it's worth putting that into perspective for people that are really struggling trying to to get those calories in check. It's like, are you trying to be the best in the world at a thing? Or are you just trying to be slightly better than you were last week? That is so well said. Um, yeah, it's, it's so true. We look at high level athletes promoting, maybe not even promoting, just kind of like talking about what they're doing and what they're doing is to try to become the best at their sport. And, you know, the average person listening to this podcast or scrolling through Instagram, is not trying to be the best at their sport. They're, you know, they have a job, they have a family, they have kids, they have whatever, like you don't need to eat dirt off the ground to, <laughs> to just you know, lose five pounds to be able to do two chin-ups. Like you're, you, you said that thing about like the 1% increase in strength. And that means the difference between first and second place and you know, high level athletes will do drastic things just to get that one to 2% increase in strength. Yeah. Whereas someone just starting out at the gym, someone that's been at the gym for two, three years, they don't need to do crazy things to get a one to 2% increase in strength. Like just going consistently, you will get strength, you know, over the course of months, weeks, years. Um, you're, you're not at that high level. If, if uh, my guess is if you're listening to this podcast, you are not at that high level. <laughs> hey, you never know. Maybe there's some Olympians listening. <laughs> Lane Norton's listening right now. Like, Oh yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, you know, like, I don't know, I've never measured my strength increase, you know, I know that it's better than it was before, because I have skills that I didn't have before, I can do, you know, one to two normal military style pushups. Now I could never do them even on my knees. And I tried for years to get stronger at it. Um, I, I have never been able to do chin ups in my life, I can do those now. That's pretty cool. You know, I can do dumbbell bench presses with more weight than when I started by a significant amount. That's pretty cool. No idea at all what the percentage gain is in those. You don't Whereas need to know at all. <laughs> like, um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now and I feel really bad, but it's the uh, youngest uh, female gold medalist for Taekwondo ever okay. and the first female gold medalist in the US. She's awesome. But like she was showing her training routine and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I have to do like 13 reps of this exercise but if I do 14 reps then my legs get slightly too big and my weight gets slightly too high and then I can't compete in my weight class like we're nowhere near that no you know one extra rep here or there is not going to make any difference to how we realistically will progress in no. our skills <laughs> and I, I love how much your strength has progressed over the last however long it's been and you don't need to measure how much percent your strength has increased. You just need to know that it's increased. Like that's what feels good. Like 
you've made improvements and I'm going to go ahead and guess you didn't eat dirt off the floor to do it. <laughs> I definitely, no, no dirt was eaten. Maybe accidentally. If I've taken <laughs> uh, no, but this is actually, it's, I mean, I, I say it's pretty new. It's been a while. It's been about two years of consistent uh, strength training and eating well. Um, but I've been trying to gain some of these skills for basically my whole life and could never do it. Um, and for me, a big perspective change was going from aesthetic goals to skills goals. Um, because, you know, if you have a goal of like, I want to wait exactly this much, or I want my arms to look exactly this way. Unfortunately, genetics is going to say no most of the time. Uh, you know, I, I had like insecurities about the size of my arms. I didn't like the way they looked. Uh, you know, I'm like 70 pounds lighter than when I was when I had those insecurities, my arms look exactly the same, by the way, I've dropped weight in a lot of other places and genetics just said, yeah, no, that's what your arms look like. Um, whereas if I focus on skills goals, like I want to improve my pushups, that's a, that's a thing that I can work on. And it feels way better to get your first pushup than it does to lose 50 pounds. Absolutely. It seems like a significant amount. By the time I lost that weight, I didn't care at all. I was still insecure. I still wanted more loss and more things Whereas that first push-up and that first chin-up, like, oh boy, I filmed it. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, having a reason to to reach fitness goals outside of like, I want to look a certain way is way more motivating. Even for me, like I, I'm in a calorie deficit right now and I suck at being in a calorie deficit. I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a fitness trainer and, you know, people put me on a pedestal and all that kind of stuff, but like, I'm terrible at it. Like I am super inconsistent when I need to be in a deficit because I like food. I love food. <laughs> so for me, I was, you know, kind of going into it. I was worried because I know that like in the past, I've been like, yeah, fuck it after a couple of weeks, but knowing that you know, my specific goal of losing weight is not to look a certain way now. It's it's for trying to get into a different weight class for powerlifting. It's a lot more motivating for me because it's not about looking a certain way. It's about being able to perform better. And it's a hell of a lot more motivating than just trying to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, that's nice. Because when you're when you're in that, when you when that's your mindset, you're looking at yourself in a negative light and it always feels like you're doing something wrong because you're not where you want to be yet. Absolutely. It's, it's been really interesting to see you go through the calorie deficit you on Instagram and stuff for that goal of meeting a weight class. Um, and like, I know some people might not necessarily see it as very different. It's like, well, you're still trying to meet a certain weight on the scale, you know? So like, why is the motivation any different, but it's, it's for, a cool event that you get to do and Which like a cool life achievements. It's not necessarily just like, Oh, well, if I see this number on the scale on Friday, then I'll feel better about myself. Right. It's interesting because I always talk about like, Oh, the number on the scale means absolutely nothing. But you know, my, my deficit is literally to reach a specific number on the scale. So it's kind of a mind fuck for me <laughs> switching into it's that also total body weight. Right. Yeah. So, like people will do things like just like drink less water on the day of the weigh in so that right. they're not super hydrated and bloated with water and whatnot. Like that has nothing to do with your skill 
or you know your aesthetics or anything like that it's just you know your water content's lower so you weigh a little less yeah um, and people in competition can definitely manipulate that and that is something that very regularly happens and was recommended to me by my coach to do and that may happen. I don't know. I'm worried about not eating few carbs on the day before. And I know she's going to be <laughs> listening to this podcast and she's going to text me after. <laughs> How dare you do the thing I said? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like if it's a, if it's a controlled thing, you've got a good coach that knows what they're doing. You're going to be fine. Absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to see like people online kind of get attached so this sort of like water cutting and things like that. And then think mm. that that's something that they can do for their own weight loss and fat loss and conflate those things. That's yeah. always important to see. And I, I like people on Instagram who are very open about it and saying, like, you know, like I'm not dropping fat. I'm not actually dropping body weight. I'm just getting a little closer to the scale weight that I need to be just to get that ticket into the event. And then we're good. Yeah. I liked what, um, did you see what Jordan put on his story yesterday or maybe it was the day before where someone asked a question they were like how do I drop water weight yeah it was like stop trying to fucking drop water weight like it's it's just gonna come right back on it's it goes away as quickly as it comes back on and vice versa like it doesn't make you look different it doesn't make you have any long-term changes it's just the number on the scale changes and that means jack shit so it's yeah, it's really hard because you get this idea in your head that if if the number changes, then you'll feel better or then you'll look better or something will happen. It's always like this in the future. If only I could do more then you know, this thing would happen that would make me feel better. And like, you know, I, I kind of learned that the hard way for my own journey because I set a goal weight for myself and then I reached it and I, it didn't make me any happier. It didn't make me look any better. It just made me sad. (laughs) And then I overshot it by a lot and dropped way lower than what I calculated my minimum goal weight could be still didn't feel any better. Still wasn't satisfied with that. The parts where I started being really proud of myself and really happy with my progress were the skills that I learned you know, being able to, to do a longer bike ride, being able to do a chin up and so on, uh, you know, doing my first like deadlift with a barbell. Those made me really proud. The weight, I overshot it by a lot and it meant nothing in the end. Yeah. Sad and sick. <laughs> but those are such amazing accomplishments and you should be super proud of yourself for being able to, you know, do your first deadlift, do your first chin up, do your first push up because so many people never accomplish those things. And when you reach a certain number on the scale, like, are you going to look back on that 30 years from now and be like, well, I weighed X amount and feel good about that. Or 30 years from now, we'd be like, yeah, I was able to do chin-ups, deadlifts, and push-ups, and I still can. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. It was absolutely terrifying to go into a gym and like pick up a barbell for the first time that stuff can be super nerve wracking. Oh yeah. You know, I want to be one of those grandmas that will like be offered a seat for the elderly in the bus and then just do a handstand to prove that she does. (laughs) That's who I want to be. (laughs) I can picture that so well. I love that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I think, I think that's really cool is that you're, your goals have shifted a lot more from, from weight to, to doing 
more. So what are your performance goals now? Uh, I'm still trying to improve chin-ups and push-ups. Push-ups is more of a push right now, <laughs> pun intended, nice. um, because I'm really bad at them. I've always had absolute ramen noodle arms. I can't do a lot of upper body stuff. I mean, I can now compared to where I was, but gaining upper body strength has always been super hard for me compared to lower body strength. Mm -hmm. So things like push-ups are extremely difficult for me. And I work really hard for that one to two that I can do right now. And I'd love to like, keep improving those and have an easier time with them or be able to do more in a row. Um, so on those would be really cool. And then in terms of like other skills, there's just cool calisthenic stuff that looks fun to do that I'd like to try. Like I think dips look really cool, like on the bars, those would be neat. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it doesn't really say anything about your total strength. If you're able to do a pistol squat, it's more like balance and mobility than, you know, overall raw strength or anything. But I think it looks cool. So I'd like to try it one day. Absolutely. Would be cool to work towards that. Uh, right now, I'm actually having a super hard time with the performance goals because I have some chronic pain issues that I deal with. And those are those have been going for years. Usually I can work around them. So usually if I have a bad pain day or if I have a bad pain week or month, um, I'll modify it's a hip pain. So like I'll modify the lower body workouts that I do, um, or I'll skip some of the exercises in it. Let's say that there's jump squats. I won't do those cause they're pretty high impact. I'll just skip straight to the next exercise in the line. And this past week and a half was the first week that I couldn't do any exercise at all. Like I, I picked up. I, I just bent down to pick the dumbbells up, not even like put any loaded weight on myself. And it was so bad that I had to lie down uh, in terms of pain. Like I couldn't even get through one of the exercises, let alone modify anything or work around it. And I had like such a huge wave of depression come over me of going like, this is it. I finally reached the point where I can't do anything anymore. I, you know, I can't exercise anymore. I'll lose all my strength. I'll lose all my progress. You know, I just had like this big pity party for myself. And obviously I'm a lot more chipper now. Uh, I still haven't done a lower body workout. It's been a week and a half, whereas I usually do two a week. Um, I, I thankfully can still do my bike rides because of the way that the motion is and the fact that there's not a lot of impact or movement in the hip in that area. Um, I can still do biking. So it's like, you know what, I'll just crank up the, the resistance. That's a lower, that's a leg day, right? You know, high resistance hill climb on a bike. Good Absolutely. enough. I'll yeah. do that and then I'll work with my physio and I'll, I'll figure out how long it's going to take to get through this phase of like pain bad enough that I can't do any basic leg day movement and I'll yeah. figure it out. Um, but it was, it was a huge hit to like, you know, you know, show up for the workout get dressed and like not even be able to pick up the dumbbell. Yeah, I get that. I, I think you played it very smart though. Um, because if you had tried to, you know, push through that, it would have made things a hell of a lot worse. It would, would have taken you a lot longer for you to be able to get back to a point where you could lift or maybe to a point where you couldn't get on the bike. Um, and you did exactly what the theme of this podcast episode is all about. You did something else and that is good enough like you you were like okay here's what i can do let me go do what i can do and you did very successfully in that 
and you know chronic pain is a very real thing and it, it's it sucks to deal with and being able to work around it where you can and know that like for you I think you said it kind of comes and goes right yeah so it's it's not going to be permanent where you won't be able to lift like it was it's a been a week and a half but I think after a little time away you'll be able to get back in. It is definitely not the end for you. I know that for a fact. You you are, first of all, too stubborn to let that, that stop you. 100%. <laughs> and secondly, you've got a lot of goals that you want to hit and you seem very driven by them. So, you know, when things start to feel better, I know that you're going to get back in and you're going to crush those goals and you're going to work hard on those push-ups. You're going to work hard on getting the dips eventually and all that stuff. And then you're going to become an old lady on the bus who does handstands instead of takes the seat. And I'm looking forward yeah, to that. Day. Absolute best long-term goal. Like, just <laughs> be an old lady that other people look at and go, wow. Uh, yeah. One of those uh, old ladies that you're like, oh, I want to be like her when I'm old. We've all seen them. I mean, you know, I am leveling up my old lady skills in preparation for that. You know, I can sew and crochet and cross stitch and stuff like that. So I've got that down. I oh, yeah, need, you do. But it's funny. I was um, I was watching American Ninja Warrior the other day and there was this like 70 year old guy who went on to compete. And I'm like, I want to be like him when I'm 70. Like, yeah. imagine like doing that shit at seven years old, like competing in these, you know, national television events where you're swinging from bars and all this shit. Like, that's way cooler than a number on the scale. Yeah, 100%. And like, you also, um, it's easy to forget how much impact that can have on just your general quality of life, like yeah. how comfortable you are. Uh, and like, obviously this is something that I think about a lot because I have the chronic pain that I deal with. So on the bad days, like I can barely walk, let alone do anything else, but it's cool to see like how a lot of these exercises transfer into just general things that you do in life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Susan Ebergall is really great about like pointing out stuff like that on her Instagram. Um, whereas like, you know, like you, you sit down in a chair and you get back up. That's a squat. Good yeah. job. Yep. You know, like you go up the stairs, that's a step up. You're carrying groceries, that's a farmer's carry. Look at you go. Mm -hmm. And like all of these things are stuff that I wouldn't want to be without. Uh, like I'm obviously working on building more strength around the problem areas that I have with the pain so that I don't have as many issues in the future. Um, but I don't want to be an old lady that can't walk up the stairs. And like that might happen anyway. There's things that I can't control where I might have health issues where that's going to be a reality anyway. That's fine. Um, but if I can help it, I'd like to build the strength so that I can still do the groceries by myself when I'm 70 and 80 instead of having to use the like the little wheel cart, you know, that I can get up the stairs by myself instead of having to use the elevator. There's a lot of these mobility things that you don't take very seriously when you can do them. Right. And then they, they start being really serious when you stop being able to do them. Yeah. Exercise and strength training and mobility is literally preventative care for when we get older. The more you do it when you're younger, the, the more strength and mobility you're going to have when you're older. Like if you squat now, if you're doing squats now, when you're 85 years old, you will be able to get on and off the toilet of your own power. You're not going to need someone to help you. And you know, that's why people check into assisted living is because they cannot get on and off the toilet like that that's gotta suck to be able to be helped to go to the bathroom so 
if you're listening and you're you're not sure you should exercise, uh, there's your reason. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, is like, there- you, know, you, can, you can still live a good life even if you have mobility issues, but if you are in a, in a position where you can work on strength and mobility, hmm. it's really worthwhile to do that. Absolutely. And even if you can't do all the things you want to do, just a little bit goes a long way. Settle for good enough. Is there anything else you want to touch on today? I feel like that's a great note to end on, but if there's anything else to, uh, to hit on, I am here for it. I I feel like we're, we're at a good spot. It's a nice, good enough message. You don't have to be, you know, half Thor at the top of his game in the strongman competition, just lifting (laughs) 800 pounds casually, you know, you can just, you went for a walk today. Good job. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I do want to do like a quick shout out for you um, because I recently have purchased uh, the book Eat It by by Jordan Syatt and Mike Vacanti. And yeah. Gabby, did the, Gabby did the art for that book. So. I did. Yeah. Which I didn't realize <laughs> until someone told me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I draw. I essentially complain while drawing is what I put it like. A lot of my drawings are just existential crises, but in, in visual format. <laughs> um, and then my Instagram is like half of that. Uh, so if you want to find me, it's bird with hat on Instagram and on Redbubble, where my shop is, where I have like stickers and shirts and stuff like that. There's a calorie deficit shirt in there if you're interested. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. I might need to buy that one. It's I, adorable. I, I mean, I'm... I think it's adorable. I made, I make stuff because it makes me happy. I make drawings that I want to look at that are like, yeah, that's a cute thing. <laughs> Gallery deficit one is just a little raccoon with a little slice of pizza and some donuts. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to buy that as soon as we uh, finish here. That sounds <laughs> lovely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, this was super fun. And to everyone listening, thank you very much as well.